Welcome, everybody, to Cycle Dirk's podcast, episode 111. Today, it's just the two amigos. We got, uh, we had a last minute cancellation. There goes, there, there goes our download. I know, right? It's over. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about. And so, um, yeah, we're just going to freestyle it. We're going to cover, uh, Dave finally got done watching the tour de france unchained um right late to the party but it was worth every every freaking second of it yeah so we're gonna get into that and then we've got uh there's also a cavendish documentary that was really interesting uh that we've both seen and then we'll touch on uh what just happened this past weekend the spt gravel event in steamboat springs colorado oh right and let's not mention our let's not forget our friend uh, Ben's event. Um, yes, the Small Monsters Project. What uh, what an event that was! Holy shit, that was great. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. So what Dave's talking about is we you know we had Ben Fet- Frederick on last episode, and we committed to doing this this charity ride. And it started in San Francisco, and we went around the Paradise Loop and. Uh, then we finished at the sports basement where there was a presentation that we had to dip out on because it got kind of late, but, um, but yeah, it's good. The big turnout and good vibes and, uh, yeah, it was lots of fun. We had an incredible cause too. Great cause. Yes. And we got, uh, we got lost. Uh, there was a GPS failure and we just, we ended up making the most of it. But uh, we ended up, we started at the right spot and we finished at the right spot. So <laughs> we're back. We're back in order to be able to record. Yeah. There was a moment when I wasn't sure we we're going to be here. But, yeah. but I, I also want to be clear too, in, in fairness, we weren't the only ones that got lost. There was oh, a yeah. lot of, there was a lot of people going around in circles in whatever town that was going, we should go straight. We should go left. I'm saying you turn. That was. But you know yeah. what? It, it didn't matter. It, the The point was not making a, uh, you know, making a rest stop or you know finishing a particular ride. It was you know the awareness for the small monsters project and traumatic brain injuries. And um, I spoke to Dana that rode with us there, and she stayed for the presentation. Said it was fantastic. So I'm uh, I Great. can't wait for him to post it so we get to see it. But um, uh, props Ben and team and and uh you know we'll see you next time you do it yeah the uh it should be pointed out Dana suffered a traumatic brain injury herself and so um yeah it was just that's good to get her feedback on it and we should also mention that uh, Ben had two primary helpers uh Liz and Lizzie so uh <laughs> Team Team Liz Lizzie uh, were helpful with all the signups and accommodations, and uh, we had pizza and sodas and beer and pastries, all kinds of good stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a good day. All right, let's let's get in this Tour de France Unchanged because uh, to me, it may be the greatest uh, cycling documentary of all time, and. Uh, I'm super hopeful that it is something that is going to be an annual installment. Um, hopefully there's enough viewership uh, that they can warrant uh, coming back every year. But it's a team that uh, films a formula with a very popular Netflix series on Formula One racing. And uh, they did they did this on the Tour de France. And was it eight? eight? It's been a while since eight I watched episodes. it. Yeah, eight I I was how do I pass time on this flight back east? And I thought, well, I'll just watch it. Well, hey, I I didn't know it was eight episodes, so I only got four going and then four coming back. And and uh it was really hard once I got to my destination not to watch the other, you know, not to watch the other four. Yeah. Um but yeah, what a way. And you know, it's so let me put it this way. It's so captivating that partway through the side of the flight, uh, I I told Sue and then, you know, she started downloading it when we made our connection. 
in in Dallas. So she she was watching it on the San Fran, the Dallas to San Fran leg. So she's hooked as well. So yeah. The point being, as a as a hardcore like you know again for the tour, just so that you know, like how in how into the tour am I? I watched five hours of that live stream. Ever I watched every stage the five hours because I had it on. At, don't tell my boss, but I had it on my at my, at work. Uh, you know, streaming right. So I'm really into it. But I think the important thing. Is that if you're, you're a psychopath? Not, oh, I know. I well, I was not like I was glued. I'm like this. I, I had it in the background, right? And uh, if something happened, I could look up. But right. But the point what I'm driving at is I'm super into it, and I found it fascinating. And I think that if you're not into cycling, but just kind of on the fringe of what the tour is, you can learn about what goes on in the, that. You learn how much of a team effort it is. You learn how much the logistics go into it you learn what it takes and fucking 21 days of riding i mean yeah so you can see what it takes i I think you don't even have to be a hardcore person to enjoy it yeah that that was the thing that i took away too was like of course the the cyclists are gonna love it but there's so much uh so much to it that um you know other people that are just curious even about what even is the tour de france that um there's enough there there's compelling backstories interpersonal relationships that are happening um obviously the dynamic in the teams each team has its own dynamic uh good and bad we can kind of touch on that a little bit and um just the overall um uh, you know the racing component obviously there's a winner every every stage so um you get to know these personnel like one of my favorite in retrospect fa- my favorite parts especially after this year's tour my favorite part was um you know jasper philipson was kind of like this maligned character in the i mean yeah. he had all this talent but he was but they called him jasper the disaster and yeah that's cute because it rhymes but man if you're uh, a world tour pro and you're trying to establish yourself as a great, and you have a nickname of Jasper, the disaster, you know, that that doesn't feel good. And he, even at yeah. one point he addressed it. He like talked, he, you know, he's talking about it and uh, you could just say when he said it, it you could just see that it kind of like was painful for him. And so this year, when it came to the sprint stages where he was winning, I was so excited for this guy that I have no, you know, I don't know this guy, but because of that, uh, how vulnerable he was in, in the, um, documentary, uh, he's the kind of guy that you root for. And, and then yeah. just to see him come back and have the success that he had, it was just, uh, added, added something completely different to the tour. If I was, if, if I hadn't watched it previously. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because part of the reason they call him that is like the guy would show up and he'd forgotten his shoes, right? Yeah. Or he's forgotten his helmet, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so But also he wasn't winning. He wasn't winning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't winning. Yeah. But I, I so yeah, so it was great to see him because the rise to the occasion, you know, especially with the added pressure of that. But it was it was interesting. Um we had the guys on the uh, a while back, the best buddies guys, right? When the, and the guy that was part of when best buddies was sponsoring a pro team, right? Yeah. And at an, at one of the best buddies events, I spoke to one of the guys that was on the staff, you know, of the team, and he's like, "Yeah, my, these guys are just racers." He goes, "My job is to make sure that they just have their shoes and their helmets and their sunglasses, because <laughs> like, <laughs> that's I mean, that's basically what he said he'd do." He's like you can't really teach these guys how to be better and faster, right? They, yeah. They're already there. He goes, my job is to make sure that they show up and have their equipment. And, and, and that was kind of the continental team. And then you find, you hear that in the, uh, on a pro team and I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just cracking up, but uh, yeah. That was, so, it, it, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they've got a lot on their plate. They're, they're traveling They're They've got their, you know, post ride stuff, the, all the race, yeah, that was one thing that was kind of cool. 
was the preparation, seeing, seeing the team talks prior to a stage, um, the different things that each team would focus on and um, some of the breakdown of the detail, even though these, a lot of these roads, these guys train on these roads, they've ridden these roads many times, but they're still very strategic about when and where and yeah. why. And, um, but I, the thing that I, uh, you know, you know, I work for Giant and we have um, we do something really interesting with our uh, aero testing. So um, in the world of aero testing, uh, Cervelo, I think, was the first company that actually put a a figure like a cyclist on top of an aero bike in a wind tunnel. And he was uh, he was known as Foam Phil. So okay. prior to that, everybody was just put the bike in the wind tunnel and the wind. I mean, I'm not an expert on this, so it could be somebody else. But Cervella was largely credited as being the foam fill was like the first version of a of a human form on top of a bike in a wind tunnel. Just check the effectiveness of the bike and what difference it makes with a person on it. Well, we took it a step further. I say we I had nothing to do with it, but Giant took it a step further and uh, they created a dynamic dummy. So uh, I always call him Dynamic Dan, but it has uh, articulating hips, knees, and ankles, and it pedals. And you could uh, dial up the wattage um, to replicate a rider and the wattage uh, while blowing wind through it and and checking it all out to um, to truly see the effectiveness of the arrow and what the impact of a pedaling cyclist is on a bike at different wattages and different yaw angles and whatnot. Um, and that, that form is based on this writer for giant back in the day named Grisha Nierman. And so I'm watching the uh, tour de France unchained and uh, they go to Jumbo Visma and it's Grisha Nierman is the uh, director sportif for Jumbo Visma. And I had no idea. I never even really. No, really. Yeah. I never even really <laughs> seen him. Or uh, I didn't really know much about him uh, as a racer. And yeah, and then there he was. And I think that, I think he, he of all the director sportifs, I, I really felt like he did, a, a, I mean, obviously, he, you've got the, the, the dream team, but um, that, that's not necessarily a layup, um, yeah. trying to manage all those different egos and everything. But I thought he was really, uh, calm, cool, and collected, and I think the team uh, largely reflected his demeanor, uh, and 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 still does. Uh, you juxtapose that with Cannondale, the EF uh, team, and Jonathan Vodders. You know, Jonathan, you know, obviously got a storied history with the Tour de France yeah. and and right. World Tour racing, but he was so. Uh, I mean, he's just got a different style. And he was very like, look, if we don't do something, we're done, <laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, like he's, this... he's he's definitely Eeyore. Yes, <laughs> he's definitely Eeyore throughout yes. that whole thing, right? Yeah. And I gotta think as a racer, you don't want to think about that, right? That's the last thing that you care about. I mean, well, you care because you're getting paid and all that, but yeah, you should be focused on strategy. Uh, how are we gonna? You know, how are we going to do this together as a team? What, you know, not like, hey, if we don't do something, we're done. That's not what you, I mean, in my mind, I wouldn't respond to that very well. I'd be like, why is this guy dumping this on me? I, I'm I'm racing. I'm just going to do the best I can. You, management, you need to take care of that stuff so we don't have to worry about it. But I don't know. That's just was my my takeaway. You look at the two different teams. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree. Other than it's you know when you've got a guy like, you know when you brought a guy like uh, uh, Rigoberto Oran and he's supposed to G be a GC guy, and he's not even a, you know I mean barely covered him right. They say oh he's you know the team captain and he's inspiring and all that, but at the end of the day he's not producing any results, right. And if they don't produce results, they don't get the points and then they don't get sponsorships. And are you leaving? Well, they got so they I, got <laughs> I have to kiss my wife goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi, Sue. 
This is uh, a first for Cycle Jerks podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> Cycle Jerks porn. Oh, We've got porn. I have to like check some content boxes when I post these things. I mean, you know. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, okay, so, so I, I, I know it's it's like I'd rather have the inspirational speech. Um but but then again, you know, I uh, now I, I, I maybe we're getting off on the whole thing, but you know, it's so a, a guy, there's a guy um completely unrelated. There's a local guy, Rick Lawton. Okay. He is the most prolific racer around here. He is at every race that they that is put on around here. And he's there every time. Yep. And and he posted yesterday that he got fourth at a universe at the university road race. Okay. And he said, My first podium ever. And my response was, I don't believe that. I can't believe that. You've been he's always there and and so you take that up to the pro level right yeah you've got guys that have done their entire careers and they've never won yeah you know yeah and so but yet like i was like ef like nielsen palace uh you know court like i'm in i'm loving even though they're not winning and even iran i'm not dogging on it but I like watching these guys race. So what? Well, the, the likelihood that they're going to win is really slim. It is. But we need these as teams, and we need sponsors to back these teams. So, you know, almost win or lose, unfortunately, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, I do feel like it is right now. It's kind of, kind of a two horse race, but the, the, the level, like, yeah, there were some guys that this year's tour that won. And that was the first time they'd ever won a professional cycling event. And then you win a stage of the Tour de France. It's like, man, why, I mean, what is that? What must that feel like? You know, I know, I know. Yeah, but, but taking taking that back up. But so there you got you've got uh, Jonathan Vodder saying that, right? Yeah. But then what I found a fascinating story in there is the story about FDJ, right? I mean, when was the last time they had not won? A stage in the tour since Pino did it in 2000. Was it 13? I'm making that number up. It was a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. But Pino's still on that team. Yeah. Right. And the sponsorship is FDJ has been a sponsor. So, you know, that's and that and that their uh, their their director, the team manager was so calm and cool. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. That's kind of what it was about. You know, why does FDJ stick around and sponsor these guys? And then, you know, other people, other sponsors change, like we change underwear, you know, right. I mean, it's just, it's just not. All right. So I'm, I don't yeah, know where well, I'm going with that. But. Well, it was interesting, like uh, to your point about FDJ and then Grisha Nierman, uh, you know, um, juxtapose that with the director sportifs of Movistar that we've seen in the least expected day. Right. You're talking just total chaos. They're yelling yeah. at each other. They're yelling at the, t you know, it's just like, yeah, those, it's just a different dynamic, each team. So you could kind of, un I always kind of had this thing. If a rider moved from team to team, I always thought the rider might be a problem, you know, but you could see where like for, for me, if I was on EF and I got that speech right before the tour de France, I'd yeah. be thinking I'm moving on next year. I'm not dealing with this crap. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, but you know, there certainly have been some writers that, uh, have earned their reputation of being difficult or divas. Um, but it did really shine a light to me on just the different team dynamics, uh, and how, uh, certain people are not going to respond well to certain director sportifs. Okay. I always felt like, I don't know about you, Dave, but when I think when I prior to watching the least expected day, because that was my first real uh, insight into uh, team dynamics uh, on the tour. There'd been some other, you read some stuff, but you, to see it is just really way more impactful to me. And um, 
I don't know the the writers kind of have to put up with the leadership in a way in a lot of these situations and uh I just always assumed that at that level you're dealing with like the highest level everything should be buttoned up and pro and um it's just so it's some of the teams the people are so scatterbrained and the they don't have good strategies and they're yelling and screaming it's like where are the professionals in all this you know um is it any different in corporate America though? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Right. It's not any different, right? That's a fair point wow. for sure. These this company's really successful. Oh, I can't wait to go work there. What the fuck yeah. have I got myself into? Yeah, they're a complete mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I I guess on a related note, so it's um what uh Jasper's on um uh, yeah, Alpison. Yeah. Right. So that main guy, one of the brothers that did most of the talking, okay. he, he kind of reminds you of like the evil dude in Die Hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's a bad guy. <laughs> like, he's like, oh my God. Like, I, I, like I'm not sure I'd want to, to your point, I'm not sure I'd want to work for him. It's like, I yeah. just think he's, he's he's like always the he's the evil guy in all the bad movies, all the bad you know. It's yeah. like, oh my god, oh my god, you know. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that we would both want to ride for Jumbo Visma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and never mind that everyone else probably too because of the squad they have and the leadership. Yeah. Um, but you so know, I, what I, you're. I, I'm sorry, you're. Uh, so your guy. It's funny that you say that. You saw that guy that was. Um, uh the brains behind the aerodynamics of it well i was watching the it's ineos uh team and yeah they're one of their guys is charlie wagalius mm -hmm. i think i'm pronouncing that right and he wrote the book if you've ever going to read the book domestique um i think i've mentioned it on here before but like the forward to this is like i've been a pro cyclist for 13 years um, I make lots of money. You've probably never heard of me, and I'm damn good at what I do. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> that's he cool. Was the sport, yeah, and he was the sports director. So he wrote that book, Domestique, fantastic book. He's the sports director there. He's the actual guy that was the inspiration behind my tattoo. And when I saw his face and I saw him speaking for the first time, I'm like, holy shit! Like, wow. Okay. So yeah, it was a just average. It's pretty cool. Like you had a similar moment that I had with yeah. Risha, you know? Yeah. It's just neat when these names kind of get brought to life. Um and you get to kind of have a better understanding of them through their yeah. actions and how they interact. But um yeah, should be pointed out though, Grisha was not the brains behind the arrow, oh. he was the body. The so body. They, okay. they used his body. They used his exact form, his size, his weight, all his dimensions. That okay. was what the dynamic uh, dummy that we use in the uh, in the arrow testing. But uh, cool. Cool. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things uh, there, you know, Wout wasn't happy with the the docuseries and he felt like he was portrayed in a in a bad light. I did not have that takeaway. I didn't have that takeaway at all. Yeah. No. I think he, he was conflicted. He as as any team would be, right? Yep. Here's a guy that can win stages and he absolutely um he absolutely went against team orders the first time, yep. right? Yep. The second time he started to, I think, and then all of a sudden he goes, "I'm not making that mistake again." Yep. And then the other time when he was on that climb and he just shattered the field uh, uh, and, and dropped uh, Pagacha, like yeah. I thought, no, I, you looked at him and, 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 and of course, when you have that many stars, there's going to be conflicts and there's going to be these things. And I thought he rose to the occasion. I, I was going to say he is the, the consummate team, team player. I don't, I, I'm, I'm sorry he walked away with that feeling. Yeah, he he did leave his uh, race leader, um, and you know it. It's so hard, you know. I I could, I mean, he just wants to win. 
you know, and I, and the, the day where he shattered the field, he shattered Pagasha to me, that's a great team tactic, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, yeah, anyway, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't agree with that. I think, you know, everyone, uh, that rides a bike, uh, <laughs> you know, even on your little group ride, you know, sometimes somebody's having a bad day. And, you know, you make the choice, you either go back and, or you just keep going. And so yeah. we've all been in a similar situation, nowhere near the stakes or, uh, but yeah, I didn't fault him at all when he took it and ran with it that one yeah. stage. Cause I don't think in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that's going to make or break the race, but I they're, do, they're, I do understand though, the team. Cool. And the relationship with the, the the race leader or the team leader, whatever you want to call them, that's mm -hmm. super important. And if you if you don't if he doesn't feel like you're working in his best interest, that could really cause a wedge. And I think I think if you look the way that Wout handled this year, pre pre tour, he just said, "I'm not interested in the green jersey," mm -hmm. you know. And so I think that maybe you know to your point, being a good teammate and everything, I think that he probably wanted to, in his mind, redeem himself, although he doesn't need to redeem anything. I think so. Yeah, but I, he I did that, He did ride a much more team-centric race this year. Yeah, and and listen, I, listen to us, like, we, like, like we're ever going to be in the car or on the team bus giving the speech, but, you know, when you go back to the U.S. Postal Service, right? Yeah. The, the, there, was, there was no question about it. There's no yeah. question about it. Lance was the guy. Everyone's yeah. writing for Lance. Now, when you have these, we're going into the thing, we're going in with the co-captains and all this, you can't, you have to expect that that's going to happen, right? And if you yeah. take a, um, you take a case like Jumbo Visma, if ever you had a race where you've got Vindegaard, Roglic, and Van Aert in there, that's gonna happen. You, you, the the team has set that up. You, you can't have three stars of that level and then expect at all time that they're gonna play a certain role. They're gonna make decisions as they go. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't view. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I did. I walked away like, yeah, okay, he made a move, but throughout the rest of the thing, I never saw anywhere like it. It didn't create a movie star type environment <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it was even there was even one line there which i i cracked up uh when he goes um when they were on it and they they were talking about the tactics and vindegaard said something like yeah just be careful because i don't want to go into the red and da, da, da. and and about what uh van art looks at him and goes i could never put you in the red <laughs> you know <it> <laughs> Right. Yeah. So it was, you could tell there was a, it wasn't, and that's my, I got to repeat myself, but that we, yes, there was some conflicts. There were some uh, self interests that people had, but there was never, I don't sense any kind of that movie star dynamic where it's like, there's any confusion over why we're really here yeah. and who's, and who's really in charge. So. Well, yeah, it is confusing. Like I never liked the idea of co-captain to me. Come on. You can't be half pregnant. You, you got to pick a leader and that, but in the case with Roglic, you could understand, you could understand the need for a co-captain because yeah. this guy has just had horrific luck. I don't know if his, if you could pin it on him as like, maybe he's poorly skilled or he's, he makes poor decisions, but whatever it is, this dude has a hard time getting through anything without crashing. Yeah. And um, so, but he's got crazy talent. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I th I just think as uh, as a team, you've got to you just got to go with, you know, in this case, Vinegar. I mean, he's proven himself for the yeah. last, you know, what is it? It's been several years now where yeah. him and and Pagasha are one and two or two and one. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah. There's a there, there's a dark side of this because I, I want to make sure it's clear, right? What I, I found fascinating about this thing is that they, yes, 
there was a lot of emphasis on Yumbo Visma, but it wasn't about that. They gave you pretty good insights into almost every team, right? So every team's got some kind of airtime, and that's what I thought was incredible about it. It was pretty well balanced. Yes. Um, But, and this probably will be a little bit controversial, but, you know, I, I relate it to, you know, what we were just talking about when we opened the show about um, uh, the small monsters project, right? Yeah. You know, you get a concussion, right? And so you think, oh, I just got to power through. And uh, and, it, and in football and baseball, something happens and the coaches are always like, you just got to power through, right? And then, you know, I think as we're getting, we learn more. It's not the right thing to do, but was it Ben O'Connor whose muscle was basically ripped off of his <laughs> yeah. and, and he's la- and he's laying there that his muscle is ripped off of whatever it is. And they're yeah. like, yeah, you, you got to give us one more day. And one he's more like, day. Well, like, he's, he's in his room packing his bag, getting his <laughs> massage. And they're like, yeah, no, we need you there tomorrow. And it's uh... like, and you could tell he's like, the look on his face, like, Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, God bless the guy. He went out and, you know, but should, should, at any level, should we be doing that shit? That's like, that's insane. Yeah. It's well, insane. muscle, like, uh, like Ben made a great point last, uh, in the last podcast about, you know, you break your arm, you break your whatever, you tear, uh, you tear your ACL. There's like a full protocol, you know, you yeah. do this, 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 and this, and you're back. But w- with your head, it is it's a lot different dynamic. But while we're on the subject of uh, small monsters project and Ben, how rad is it that Ben actually lines up and race against Wild Ben Art? Can yeah. you imagine, like, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, he's accomplished, you know, and he deserves to be there and everything. But can you imagine, like, oh wow. Well, okay. it's on the starting line. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, and by the way, so is MVP. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. All right. And, you know, to just look around and go, all right, guys, we're, we're racing for third. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what's the mentality at that point? Is it we're racing for third or today's the day I'm going to, I'm going to let the world know. Yeah. You know, I mean? you know? Yeah. hopefully you have that latter uh, mindset, you know, but yeah. uh but well, yeah, like, very you cool. know, and I'm sure that happens, right? What did Nikki say the other day uh, on last week's podcast, right? I'm sitting there going, and he said, I'm sitting there going, yeah, if I don't blow this, I'm going to get third. And then all of a sudden, at some point, he said, no, I'm going to win this thing. And he right. just, you know, it was boom, boom, boom. And that's the way I think they have to line up. It's like, okay, you know, yeah. and and that's got to be the way every pro r- r- lines up at that thing. They, they got to go, okay, well, there's Vindegaard, there's Pagacha. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to learn today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it goes that way, but yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But no, I say it was amazing that when he was with that, I, when Ben said that, you know, I, we knew he was elite. We knew he was pro. But I, when he said that, I'd originally thinking, yeah, okay, around New England, he's redoing all the races, but there he is in Europe racing against the big boys. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Okay, let's uh, let's close the book on the Tour de France Unchained. I mean, uh, I think we've said everything we need to say about it, and it's if you haven't seen it already, please just check it out. It's incredible. Um, and then uh, let's let's shift gears and talk about the Cavendish. Uh, oh, do you have something you well, want to add? Yeah, just the one last thing. I just look. This is not an appeal. Obviously, no one's going to listen to me, but. You know, I, again, I just want to emphasize like like how cool. I think it's indicative of the difference of European European mentality towards cycling versus the U.S. mentality t- towards cycling, mm-hmm. right? So FDJ has not had you know a Tour de France stage win since whatever 2013. Yeah, here's Jonathan Vodder shitting his pants that if we don't get points, we're going to lose our sponsorship. And to that end, they the EF um, women's team folded this over the weekend, right? So, yep. so you know, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure that like some of the European pro teams aren't going to be folding that way, right? I mean, they're going to have the Yumbo Visma 
yep. team. I know they're looking for a sponsor as well, but it's just uh, it's just an unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. Whatever, I'm done with it. But it just it was really sad to see that team uh, fold because there's such there's some talented women on that, and it's it's hard enough, I think, because women that women's tour and everything else it doesn't get as much airtime and it's just as exciting to watch so. yeah well who knows that you know i could see where you can make a case where a documentary on the women's tour could be even more compelling because of yeah. all the uh all the hurdles and you don't really know those names over there like you do on the men's side right. Uh, right. certainly there's some prolific women that are you know now building uh thanks to the the fact that they're televising it they're running the races they're, they've got the Roubaix they've got the the tour the Giro so yeah I mean uh that could be interesting just because it's kind of in its infancy almost you know yeah. so it could be a different thing but I, who knows if they'll do it or not but um but, but yeah Cavendish. yeah yeah this just said so, Americans do not care about cycling like the Europeans <laughs> noted yeah, yeah. thanks Dave <laughs> <laughs> okay uh okay so let's get into cavendish so the cavendish doc i really liked it uh even though i have i've never been a huge fan of mark cavendish and uh well, there's no denying his skill and his athleticism his ability to win races uh like we were talking about with nikki you know everybody's at the end who's got it at the end it's mental he's got it he has the mental yeah. and obviously 34 world tour wins uh or uh tour de france stage wins but um he's done some some stuff in his career that i don't agree with and i don't like and i think uh you know i i really put sportsmanship i think sportsmanship is something that's super important and especially when you're an athlete at his level um, because everyone, it, it carries more weight. And, uh, I just feel like he's kind of behaved in a way where it's just like, Oh God, Mark, come on, dude. Take so, the like, high road. Like, like what though? What? Because. Oh, well, I mean, there's been so many instances. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, that, uh, that footage of him on the track where, uh, yeah. he just gets right alongside some guy. And uh, the guys, you know, they're just kind of like, and then he just, he just looks right at him and this, and he's up on the high side and he just takes the dude out. Mm. He just looked, he looked yeah. right at him and this like swerved right into him. And then the guy just fell down and that was it. Mm. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's one thing to be co a competitive racer, but he also makes some really uh, risky choices. Now you could also say, Hey, that's what makes him great. And it's, I'm sure that's a big part of why he's able to win when others can't push through like he did, um, that he is willing to put it all out there on the line. And I respect that. And the other thing where made me kind of turn the corner with him a little bit was he didn't have a spot on a team. And then he, he raised money to like, he bet on himself. And yeah. to me, that was like, that was the coolest thing uh in his career in my mind would take all the wins everything but he was just like hey you don't believe in me i'll i'll put the money up i want i get me a spot on this team and i'll show you and yeah. i love that you know so yeah. he, he's a complex person and um you know the the doc covers his bouts with depression and some of these other things eating disorder yeah yeah boy that, it's so wild this eating disorder thing in cycling, uh, that's something that's really been surprising since we started doing this podcast. Uh, I don't yeah. know about you. Yeah. Are you, you know, do you feel the same way? Oh, well, I mean, how can it, I mean, how can it not be? I mean, there, there, it, it is not, I don't, it, it is not normal that these guys would be at 130, 135 pounds, right? It, it, and so on some level, they're, there's some kind of obsessive obsession with the food and intake and, and, and then anytime that it is, and anytime that you're struggling to get down to that, you know, that you're doing it for a reason, but it's not normal. And therefore it's some form of a disorder. I, you Got know, it. Got uh, it. I, I, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's, you know, that's very unscientific, 
and maybe that's indicative of the whole thing about the injury thing like we're forcing him to push through this it's it's like if we would all just collectively agree that 135 is not normal so let him race at 155 then it'd be a level playing field you know yeah but uh i don't know and and it just it just has got to be crazy what these guys must what what, one of the guys in the other documentary said so what are you going to do uh now he goes I'm going to go home and eat chicken, like chicken and rice, like I do every, after every race, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So that made me feel uh, good. Cause I do eat a lot of chicken and rice. I was uh, like, no, okay, no. so maybe I'm not an idiot. Yeah. 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 No, I'm still my, an idiot. Yeah. But <laughs> again, my, uh, so a couple of things back to Cavendish. Yeah. Again, if you're not into cycling, okay. I didn't even know about this one. And my daughter calls me and is like, did you, did you do watch the tour unchained? And I'm like, no. And she goes, don't even bother. Go to the Cavendish one. You're going to love this one. So this, yeah. So this is, it appeals. I mean, she's kind of into the cycling thing because of me, but she, um, it, it appeals to that because this one isn't so much about the tactics so much yeah. about the the um, the emotion and the ups and downs of what this guy's gone through, the pressure, right? The, you know, the, yeah. you talk about the pressure with lining up. Like he said, he goes, "I wasn't the one talking about beating Mark's record. You guys are the one that brought it up." He goes, "I, you know," and yeah. you're you, now they're talking about it, and you know, suddenly it's like he is like you guys say making it sound like it was my goal because you're the ones that brought it up, you know? Right. So, um, you know, the thing that stands out to me most about that documentary was his wife, the relationship with his wife and how she, you know, in sickness and in health, you know, you make that vow. And she, uh, she stood by him when rightfully she didn't have to, you know, but she did. Yeah. And, I, uh, I, yeah, I've often a, wondered why Sue strong. has put up. I've often wondered why Sue put up puts up with my shit around cycling. <laughs> but now, my God, right? I mean, this guy was just—he just wasn't even there. He's got kids, yeah. and so right. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, she's the uh, she's the MVP of the doc for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and their marriage too. I mean, he's a breadwinner for sure. I'm sure they make a lot of money. He makes a ton of money and they've lived very well, but man, you need, you need, uh, your soulmate, you know, you need that yeah. person by your side and, and, uh, she's raising kids and, you know, uh, man, it was, it was just impressive to see her, uh, commitment to their relationship given the circumstances that they were in. And, yeah. uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, that, that doc though really did kind of, make me understand him a lot more and um a lot of the you know a lot of my feelings about him changed they they changed when he invested in himself that was something that i really respected and then and then you get this backstory of what he's gone through and everything so uh you know i've always i've always respected him of course because he just had some crazy talent and you know he's a winner all right. So for me, yeah. so for me, there's a couple of things. First of all, I, I've never disliked him. I did. I know that there, and I've seen certain things in certain sprints when, you know, he takes risky moves and it's taking people out. And, but, uh, but, but I've also, so I, I always liked him. It wasn't necessarily my hero. The yeah. minute, but for me, it, when it turned, it was not when he invested in himself, but, it was the minute that people started saying, you know, was, was suddenly when he was the underdog, then I'm rooting for him because it, I, what drives me nuts is when they are all start saying, you know, he he's finished and he shouldn't be there and all that. And and all of a sudden what's lost is all that he's accomplished. You yes. know what I mean? And it's like, OK, and there's a point at which everyone has to give up. But yep. suddenly it's like, you know, and we have no and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes like there you go epstein Barr, right yeah the thing he should have done is stopped and the thing he kept doing was trying harder yeah you know he should have rested and boom it's you know 
not like the con- concussion protocol. Take 28 days off, right? And then you're, yeah. you know. Another thing, though, which is, I think, in very telling is, and I didn't cover it that much, but I, it probably very much related to the eating disorder, is they they did hint at how obsessive he is about certain things, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, and he's absolutely maniacal about, and you could see him checking over his bike, his bike position and, and all that. And, you know, those people like to be in control. And then, the, you know, eating thing is one of those things of control, right? One of the things you can control, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You wonder, you wonder um, how much, how pervasive it is with everybody. Uh, yeah. It's like I said, it's just been, like I said, maybe I'm an idiot, but I just never thought, I always think of, few, you know, you got to fuel. You got to get yourself the proper fuel, not starve yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but you know, I I remember at the end of this year's tour, I was watching it, and there was one like Vinigo had his shirt off, and my wife just happened to be, you know, she's a she doesn't pay too much attention. She's like, "Good God, who's that?" Yeah. I go, "That's the tour winner." She's like. He is just a rack of bones. He looks terrible. Yeah. That's so unhealthy. Yeah. And I'm like, well, uh, I don't know if unhealthy is the right word. Yeah. Uh, he just won a 21 stage uh, yeah. world tour race. But um, I wonder, how, like somebody that like Vinigo and Pagasha, obviously the two on top of the sport and they are rail thin. Uh, but you wonder how much weight do they lose during the tour? Yeah. Right. Because yeah. how could you possibly uh, get enough calories in? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're probably losing weight every single day. There's some sort of attrition that you, it's, it becomes a part of it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of it all, uh, the Cavendish stuff, I do, you know, the the other thing that kind of like maybe another thing that kind of bugged me when they started all this Eddie Merck stuff, it's like, you know what? Eddie Merck's did it all. Yeah. You know, this guy's a specialist. And granted, you can't compare eras, but you know, to me, like no one questions Eddie Merck's and his overall ability. I mean, the guy was, you know, it's one of the all-time greats. And uh, and so is Cavendish, though. But it, it, he did it in a completely different way. He's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, he's run one road races. He doesn't just one sprints, right? And yeah. then is what he's done. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I turned the, the corner. I, and now I'm a Cavendish fan now that he's retired. I, <laughs> is he, though? I know. You don't know. Is he, though? Kind of left uh, the door open. Um. One thing I will say where I, I've always sort of, uh, where I, I disagree a little bit, because I know that, I, again, a, a prickly personality for sure. Yeah. But one of the things that I've always noticed about Cavendish at the end of his victories, he is one of the first guys he just goes in search of all his teammates, right? So, yeah, he's a difficult yeah. personality, but there's no question he's in search of his teammates and thanking him. Yeah. You know, for what they've done. That, and, I, and I'm not saying I go back to the days of HTC when Hincapi was, you know, on the team and all that. Yeah. And uh, it's always, in my my recollection, it's always been that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, yeah, my, my issue with him was really more about some of the tactical stuff that he's done, some of the crashes that have been caused yeah. and, oh, yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. But, hey, um, so... Can, I, can we backtrack to the Unchained thing? Um, yeah. Because you just, the crashes. Two things that I want to cover, which I forgot. One of the guys who I enjoyed listening to most, and I loved his perspective, was Garrett Thomas. Yes. Agreed. I thought his, well, first of all, for this guy to produce at the level at which he did against those guys, um, but also, yeah, just his perspective and insights into uh, the race and the, the tactics and what it takes and, you know, accepting his aging and qu- them questioning whether he's the guy for today or should they let, Pit, you know, Pitcock go. Right. And 
very that was that was great um but before i get off of that be as the crash i don't think we talked you because you mentioned the crashes and shit yeah i don't think we gave enough credit we talked about jasper but uh fabio jacobson yes uh, oh man uh, wow yeah wow it's amazing that he's back uh yeah, anybody that saw that thought he might be dead. Yeah, uh, it certainly looked like no question career ender. Um, and the fact that he he made it back and uh, at, at, in a significant way. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was re- that's and, yeah. You're right. We we really missed that story when we were talking about it. That's yeah, really and incredible. The, and the candor which he talked about it. Yeah, like and you know, for me, I'm thinking. Okay, it's one. It's enough to line back to get back to the start line, yeah, and then get into another one of those sprints, uh, right? But right. you know, it, some people would probably block it out of your head. This guy's candidly talking about it, and yeah. you can see the scars, right? And he's just like, "Yeah, here I am again." And then he goes and he and he wins. I right? know, that's uh, so, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, you don't really know, you know, I think a lot of us, you don't really know what you're made of, you know, until something like that happens, you know. Um, yeah, I did, you know, I, I got involved in helping a, a friend of mine. Uh, I've talked about this before, but we put on these races for this racer friend of mine that suffered a spinal cord injury. Her name's Tara Giannis. And, um, you know, she's in a wheelchair to this day and um but it's interesting like her, her mind is so strong that's the thing that she's an amazing athlete but like her mind was so strong and she uh she even said i i didn't i didn't know that i had this in me and i think that's probably a lot of people where you just don't know until your face at it intense uh adversity hopefully you, you never do you know right um but to talk to tara she would tell you she wouldn't change a thing she yeah. believes you know that she's right where she's supposed to be right now and doing what she's supposed wow. to be doing and uh yeah it's it's really powerful stuff and um yeah so to see that to see uh you know him and listen to his, I was, I kept thinking about my experience with Tara and some of the talks that I've had with her and um, yeah, but I, I, I would hope it's in all of us, but, but maybe not a lot of people, you hear these stories where somebody has a, a something like that, that happens and, and then it, it just goes into a dark depression and sometimes right. results right. in the worst possible outcome. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was incredible to see him back and on top. It was just like, man. Yeah. yeah. That's a guy you root for. So Fabio yeah. and uh and Jasper, the disaster. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So uh let's try to get through the well, let's see if we can get through the rest of this podcast without getting back to that unchained, but that should tell everybody just how awesome it is. Uh, but okay, so let's let's wrap this thing up with uh, some uh, the SBT gravel. Shout out, shout out to uh, yes, shout out to our former some of our former guests and friends. So yeah, incredible. Yeah, but, yeah, Steamboat Springs. For those of you that don't, yeah, give the background of what it is. Yeah. So I don't know, if I'm our, capable, but it's Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It's a it's a huge uh, event. Um, uh there's you know it's kind of like a, a bucket list type of thing for a lot of people i haven't done it uh dave you haven't done it yeah uh, no it's it's lottery only um yeah. yeah it's a lottery to get to get in so you really gotta sign up early and pray yeah uh although i i have a, i have a pro tip for getting in um but yeah let's hear it so well, let me give the background first. They, um, but for those of you, and I don't know because I haven't done it, but a friend has done it and said from a gravel perspective, it's one of the like as you said, bucket list things. Like you've got to do it, right? Um, yeah. The town of Steamboat, uh, where it's held, 
the trail itself, they, they talked about the gravel being just amazing, amazing riding. Uh, the town and the whole vibe around this thing, it's like you got to go do it, right? Yeah. So yep. definitely on my list. Now, the feedback I've gotten, you know, was hard, which is and in part because you're at altitude, right? Yep. Um, but uh, anyways, before we get into the shout outs for our friends, the one of our friends that who well, I'll just go ahead. Jenny, she was not, never been on our podcast, but any one of the local riders, everyone knows Jenny, uh, former, I don't know if she was a state champ or former, at least NorCal champ. So she's, uh, she's the real deal has, uh, uh, rides a lot, has really taken to gravel. Uh, she got second in her age group, but she got in because they formed a team. So there were more slots for teams then there were openings for teams than there were for individuals so brace yourself her team was her and her boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) not like it was 30 people they just said okay we're a team all right and and they got in uh let's be a team next year dave yeah super let's do it yeah team cycle jerks yeah there we go well i i you know i this morning I wake up, I look at the Instagram feed and I follow Reggie Miller, you know, obviously NBA Hall of Famer, one of the all-time great shooters in, in basketball history and uh, a very avid cyclist. He does a lot of racing and he did it this year. Uh, oh, I did not know that. Okay. And as you might imagine, uh, the, he's in incredible shape. Uh, you know, he was in, always in incredible shape as a basketball player and cycling has become a big part of his life and he's rail thin uh rides all the time just got you know working with coaches everything he's into it and um yeah about uh i think it was 55 miles in he started cramping and you know so the elevation definitely uh adds a very tricky wrinkle to the whole proposition the the course itself seems like it's pretty hard in general without the elevation, right? I think it's right. 10,000 feet. It's a hundred miles and 10,000 feet. Yeah. So, uh, that's not an easy day on the bike. And, um, yeah, he finished in nine hours. Um, so, yeah. Oh no, excuse me. He finished at six fifty five. Oh, yeah. His chip time was six fifty five. So that gives you an idea. His, the kind of shape he's in. Yeah. Um, that's a good time, but even with cramping about halfway through, and I don't know if you've ever done an event where you start experiencing cramping and you're trying to race. <laughs> uh, this happened to me. I was with Claire uh, at the Everybody Loves Raymond Gravel Grinder. And uh, she, Claire gets alongside of me. She's like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I can't pedal every stroke. My leg cramps. <laughs> and she's like okay yeah. i you know uh, so uh yeah i i could sympathize with reggie and probably lots of other people that were on that course and i can't help but think about the dad bod mckessie out there you know yeah 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 no so i this is not obviously i want to get onto that but i'm not prone to cramping like i i i could think of the modesto road race one time a long long time ago when i felt like a cramp coming on and and I if I've been racing since whatever early 2000s or 2010 or whatever just never experienced it and then the Belgian waffle ride I'm clipping along going I got this we're at mile 80 this Uh is no problem I started cramping and it never never went away and just you know you're paddling and there's absolutely nothing you can do because you it's you're beyond that point, right? You, you're, you're beyond. And, and it just was like, is it happening when I stand up? Maybe if I sit down, if I'm downhill, uphill, it just was the most miserable experience of my life. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I pulled into a rest stop and, and they, um, uh, two, two volunteers had to come over and grab my bike and help me off so that I, cause otherwise I would have tipped over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you've never been pushed to that point. Yeah. 
It's unlike anything else. It doesn't matter how skilled you are, what kind of fitness you're in. Uh, you, yeah, you're, you're on a ride and you have no control. Um, so you, yeah, it's, it, it's really brutal. So I sympathize with Reggie and I'm sure many others, but you know, how about Flavia? But know, yes, our former guest, uh, uh, local, local gal, Flavia Oliveira. She's been, she went, she transitioned from road to gravel. She had a prolific road career. Um, and she is just crushing it. Yeah. She was just crushing it on gravel. And, uh, the thing I love about Flavia is Flavia is a party. She is just a party. She is so fun to be around. It doesn't matter what you're doing. She's just, she's got this incredible spirit and, um, you know, let's face it. The women's category has been, you know, it's a subject of controversy because there's, uh, you know, there's biological males I, I cringe as i say this even because i don't want to start a bunch of vitriol but they you know and that's been this whole source of a lot of controversy and flavia even though it impacts her directly she's managed to stay out of the out of the fray she's always pointing that shining light on what's positive about women's racing and um yeah i just uh i got so much love for her and it's just yeah. good to see her continue to rattle off these podiums yeah, got third. She got yeah. third. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. uh, yeah, third. And that's just, it's just so consistent. It's just so consistent with her, whether it's Unbound or, or uh, SBT or whatever other event she's doing. She's just, she's always, she's always in the hunt. So it's yeah. great to see that. So, congratulations, yeah. Flavia. And then our man, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, De- uh, Dennis Warrich. Uh, I think. I just dropped my phone, so I can't see, but I think he was 24th overall. I think you're right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Out of 960. Yep. 960 people. So and if you, if you're not familiar with uh, Dennis or Flavia, we should point out, like you can follow Flavia at it, on Instagram. She's at Lil crush L I L C R U S H. And Dennis is at sack Dempa S A K D E M P A. Both of them are fantastic follows, uh, cost, g- great content. And uh, so if you're interested in uh, sprucing up your feed at all, there's a couple of good ones for you. Um, yeah, they're they're great. They're great to follow. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then what we don't know, unless you've got an update, because I said I dropped my phone, it's down there. But um, our man, Mikasi, uh, dad bod cyclist, 200 and... 20 pounder had never been on a gravel bike uh you want to talk about a spirit so you mentioned flavia but this is the guy that man oh man oh man oh man what a positive outlook on life that this guy has who took up cycling uh all about inclusion had never done gravel and he gets a call from ride for racial justice uh, to go out and do this thing. And so never done gravel. They lend him a gravel bike and he goes and, does, and chooses his first gravel bike to be the one of the hardest gravel rides ever. So I'm dying to get an update on how he did. Well, I'm just, I just fired up his feed real quick and there's a clip of him finishing. So he did it. Oh, he, he finished. Awesome. And yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to have him back on uh, because, you know, we got to hear the story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a guy super easy to root for. And, you know, it's funny. His thing's called dad bod cycling. It should be called uh, linebacker bod cycling <laughs> because uh, he may have had a dad bod when he started. But, man, this guy, uh, he's transformed himself and. You know, it does have that. Uh, I think he said he played Division One college football, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah and it's funny that you say that though, because like, as as stoked as we are about Dennis or Flavia, it's yeah, well, yeah, of course, that's what we expected, right? Yeah. So their story uh, coming in third, their their story wouldn't be nearly as exciting as Dad Bod cycling and finishing this freaking thing. So we yeah. definitely got to have him back on. Yeah, pretty incredible. So we'll look forward to that. I don't have, we, he's not on the schedule yet, but I'm going to reach out. We'll get, we'll get him in there probably uh, yeah. sometime in October, I'd imagine. Well, All right. 
And yes. for nothing else, he did it for all the right reasons. Ride for Racial Justice was just about getting more people of color on bikes. And that's why he was doing it. So, you know, he's he, he's riding a bike for all the right reasons, right? Yes, definitely. And it's so good to see more uh, diversity in the in the sport of cycling and all taking all types of shapes, sizes, colors, ethnicities. Uh, the more people we can get into it, the better it is for everybody. And um, yeah, it's just neat to see how everybody brings their own flavor to it, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. You got anything to you want to add before we wrap it up? Nope. I got to go get another Diet Pepsi and start and get some work done. So <laughs> you are such a sick yeah. puppy. I uh, I will say I picked him up at 630, in the morning, we'll say, uh, for the, the ride we did for the Small Monsters Project. And he had three Diet Pepsis in him. He had a Diet Pepsi on him when he got in the car. I'm like, dude, already? He's like, oh, this is my third one. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, my God. And that's yeah. why that's why it's like might step on it because I'm gonna have to pee before we get there. So <laughs> have you ever tried putting like a nail in a can of Coke? No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. Anyway. <laughs> no, you know, I I digress, but um every time I'm over at one friend's house, she used to be in the army. And uh she goes, you know, we used to pour the Coke over the battery to get the rust off the um you know the battery the batteries of their humvees yeah. <laughs> all right pass me another one uh-huh, so. right yeah i was watching there's like a little tiktok video made its way onto instagram and it was like all these things that people do with coke like they clean their toilets with coke like if you got that staining or whatever from an old toilet or something in a urinal you just hit it with a coke why my house sparkles mike <laughs> It's a, okay. Yeah. Uh, house cleaning tips here on Cycle Jerks Podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't don't drink Coke if you're out there. Diet Coke, Coke. It's yes. a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Water yeah. is a really good thing to be drinking. All right. Uh, on that note, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks, Dave. Always a pleasure. And um, thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, let me let's let's cover the subscription thing. So we have on um, Cycle Jerks Podcast dot buzzsprout.com you can become a subscriber and we have two dedicated subscribers <laughs> and we appreciate it you gotta start somewhere way to ken go lunsford. ken lunsford yeah. is number one and uh david setton number two so we appreciate you guys and uh we appreciate the support uh subscriber or not we uh we love putting these things together and we appreciate all of you following along so that's it. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Yeah. Peace. Yeah.